You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniyya al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello and welcome to China Africa Talk, the program that brings you views and discussions on what's taking place between China and Africa from a unique Chinese and African perspective. I'm your host, Bridget Mutambirwa, coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing. Now as part of the CGTN series, China from Outside. Early this week, CGTN Radio's China Africa Talk paid a visit to the Zimbabwean embassy in Beijing for a one-on-one interview with Zimbabwe's ambassador to China, His Excellency Martin Chedondo, to discuss, among other issues, the cooperation between China and Zimbabwe under the Belt and Road Initiative. His Excellency the ambassador also spoke on some of the lessons he has drawn from the CPC's governance and practices whilst staying in China. Mr. Ambassador, thank you for accepting our invitation for this important discussion. We're glad to be here today. Welcome. Perhaps let's begin with a personal biography. When was the first time you came to China and what was it like then versus now? Thank you for the question. The encounter with the spirit of China was way back in 1977 in the Republic of Tanzania when I underwent guerrilla military training by Chinese instructors. That was my first experience with Chinese and from there I got my first good impression of what type of people they were caring, dedicated, professional and people who would live to the ethos of the casket hand. And all I can say is I got the best of training which otherwise gave me the unshakable spirit of being patriotic to my country. So when we attained our independence, the interaction with China continued from 1980. By then, China was going through its own struggles of uplifting the people of China from poverty to what they are today. So 1996, I came as part of a military delegation here into Beijing. And the China I saw then is very, very different from what it is today. Having traversed the entirety of the country, mainly by then, China was rural. It is the time when here in Beijing, early mornings, rather than the traffic congestion and the jams we are witnessing today, you could witness congestion of people riding bicycles to work. Rather than the variety you can see today amongst the people, the flowery, different attires and so forth, which are worn. By then, it was like you are walking in a military barrack because they almost like wore the same clothes. You look at the buildings which again were in the cities to include this Beijing here was the real typical architecture of ancient China. I remember touring the Forbidden City and all other related places 
That was the architecture you would come across in China. Unlike today, where you at times not realize you are in China, but the thing otherwise you are in Paris, New York, China is modernized, which is very, very different from what it was then. But with all that, one thing has remained constant, the unshakable will of the Chinese authorities to work for the people. The first lesson I learned when I was being trained by the Chinese People's Liberation Army was for an authority, a military, an establishment to be like fish and water with the people. So the relationships between Chinese leadership, the Communist Party in particular, has remained solid. If anything, the party has consolidated its place in the hearts of the people through the service which it has delivered. They've always lived true to their finding principles. Now, Mr. Ambassador, the pandemic has had a significant negative impact on global economic growth, with many countries facing decline in GDP, economic growth rates and foreign investment. Post-pandemic, what measures are being taken in Zimbabwe to help attract more investors from China? The COVID pandemic has been an unfortunate development. China did a great service to mankind through donation of COVID fighting equipment, vaccines. Zimbabwe was a recipient and it is because of the generous donations from China that we were almost on poor position as far as the vaccination of our peoples are concerned. And after the vaccination, including achieving head immunity in Victoria Falls, our primary tourist destinations, the country is now safe for business. Take cognizance of the fact that when the pandemic came, we were on the road to Vision 2030, which aims to achieve prosperous, strong, upper-middle-income status country by 2030, which we have pillared on a recovery based on good governance, fight against corruption, transparency, amity and accountability that is being achieved. We have to a greater extent went for reforms with regards the manner in which we do business and have gone for legislation which has been passed through our parliament to ensure the ease of doing business and all that really works to attract willing partners for that matter in the way of doing business. The country is engaged on the philosophy of engagement and re-engagement where we are reaching out to everyone. That is, Zimbabwe is a destination for everyone to come and do business, everyone to come and indirect, everyone to come and holiday. We have everything to offer. From 2018, that relationship was upgraded to strategic comprehensive partners for cooperation. We are saying through mutual support to one another, through cooperation, Chinese 
investors, Chinese institutions, Chinese businesses follow upon the cooperation which has existed at the political and the government to government level and bring in your investments either as individual entities, as partners both with government and private sector and all the attractive conditions have been set to ensure that whoever invests gets value for their money. So a lot is being done in order to attract investment which in turn should result in the rebuilding of the economy after the stage of the pandemic which we are getting over. Mr. Ambassador, in the Dakar Action Plan, China pledged to encourage its business to invest no less than 10 billion US dollars in Africa in the next three years, and in particular, expand investment in areas such as manufacturing and agriculture. What measures are being taken in Zimbabwe to attract Chinese private sector to invest in these various sectors? From 2019, Chinese private sector investment in Zimbabwe has exceeded about 2.9 billion. That is over the two years. And of this, we are talking of well over 300 enterprises which have come to invest in various sectors, in agriculture, in mining, manufacturing, in tourism, in the services. Across the board, that is the private sector. Flagship programs for investments would be in agriculture. We have China Tobacco, which is bringing into China in excess of 150 million kilograms of tobacco. We have companies in the cotton industry. We have the steel industry, which is now taking one of the other flagship programs, where by mid next year, HE President Munangagwa is actually going to do the official launch or opening of that program, that is private sector. The same companies are going into energy, establishing power stations. They are also going for infrastructure in the form of railways to link up the several factors of production, that is linking the areas which produce the raw materials to bring them centrally for processing. So what we are witnessing is a kind of revolution in the manner of doing business, whereby in the past, Business has been mainly in the extractive sectors where raw materials were being shipped all the way to China with little benefit to the communities where these resources were coming from. Now, the paradigm has shifted and thanks to the conscious effort by President Xi Jinping who has listened to the calls from his counterparts in the African continent that if we are truly talking win-win, we must win together and become strong together. Currently, if you look at it, despite our much acclaimed relationship with China, trade between Zimbabwe and China as of last year was about two billion, but a billion each one either way. And really, that is not much. We expect more. If the strong relationship of comprehensive strategic partnership is to have meaning on the grassroots of people. We need to increase the levels of trade. 
ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. The Excellency, climate change has had a negative impact on food security across the globe and ongoing conflict in Ukraine has triggered massive fuel and food prices in many countries, including Zimbabwe. In your view, what can China and Zimbabwe do to leverage existing collaboration to transform agriculture systems and ensure food security? A lot can be achieved through collaboration between China and Zimbabwe. As far as Zimbabwe is concerned, in pursuit of Vision 2030, it has crafted development program based on the NDS-1, National Development Strategy, running up to 2025, which will be revised thereafter, and we have another program based on the results achieved. Key among the pillars of this program is the area of feeding the people of Zimbabwe, achieving food security, because the realization is that without food security, you actually entrench poverty, you entrench subjugation and the servitude of your people because with the proliferation of NGOs, you remain perpetual beggars. Hence, the government of President Mnangagwa has consciously taken a position that agriculture must be a priority, after which you then cascade to other sectors. What, therefore, is being done? about agriculture. Zimbabwe has more than 10 million hectares of arable land. Zimbabwe has abundant water reservoirs stored in dams which can be used for irrigation. Zimbabwe has access to underground water which needs to be tapped. Bulk of the population, our peasant farmers, are in the rural areas. It is in these rural areas where we expect a lot of collaboration with China through initiatives such as drilling of boreholes. We are happy that China has already taken the lead and a number of boreholes have been drilled and continue to be drilled in the rural areas. So what are we expecting from China? The first thing is appropriate technology because of China's history, where it came from innovating to bring its agriculture uh, to meet the requirements of its people, we can follow the same footsteps and import appropriate technology to help mechanize our agriculture at a minimum cost. From there, we need education, which enables adaption to modern skills already we have projects on the ground through initiatives such as the forum for china africa cooperation focus where agricultural demonstration centers have been set up and these are achieving the objective of training our people like i indicated earlier on we do not really expect to have this relationship of saying china please come we are begging 
for your benefaction. No, we are saying, please come, let's work together for win-win benefit. Let's all win. Mr. Ambassador, the cooperation between China and Africa under the Belt and Road Initiative is an important part of relations between the two sides. China and Zimbabwe signed a memorandum of understanding on the BRI in 2018. In your view, what are the prospects of the BRI going into the future? The BRI is a noble undertaking proposed by President Xi Jinping as a part of the overall Chinese philosophy of the Communist Party of China where they are saying let's move into a future of shared prosperity for mankind. For that to be achieved, it means the playing field has to be leveled. And with the BRI centered on infrastructure, that is connectivity. Yes, when we talk connectivity, yes, in the olden times, we were talking about opening silk roads for your camels, opening your roads, but today, connectivity is all around. We are talking of your physical infrastructure. We are talking of the universe where you have all other forms of communication through your internet and so forth, your communication highways. And the BRI is there to achieve all that. You go into Africa, apart from the seaways, you have projects in Djibouti, Somalia, Kenya, and many other. Ports have been built in Nigeria, in Namibia, and many other places in Africa. So the BRI is quite a viable undertaking where in the case of Africa through Agenda 2063 there's a lot which is being done in collaboration to ensure that Africa's vision of a free continental trade area which has recently been launched can only be achieved through opening up the means of communication. That is the essence of having initiatives like BRI. The tragedy of Africa, which comes to mind right now, is a few years back, I remember when I was doing some activities in the Democratic Republic of the Congo eh, in the 2000s. Eh, when you are in Congo, Kinshasa, next door is Congo Brazzaville. You can literally throw a stone with catapults and it lands in Congo Brazzaville. But for you to fly to Congo Brazzaville, you had to go through Europe. That shows you what poor connectivity can do. And the same is the case today with most of our countries. Where you wanted to connect to go to one destination, you want to go through five, six other countries. Through BRI as Africa, if our connectivity can be enhanced, it means, first of all, we can also trade amongst ourselves and achieve the dual circulation concept for our products because our regions are endowed with different resources. So BRI is an important undertaking which we have to faithfully and dutifully follow as Africa. It is for our benefit in the global village. Yeah. 
Now, Mr. Ambassador, at the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation held last year in Dakar, Senegal, Chinese President Xi Jinping proposed to implement nine programs with African countries. What would be Zimbabwe's top priority areas under the three-year framework? Under the three-year framework, priorities range from your food security into your health requirement according to the United Nations and the World Bank projections. By 2050, the population of Africa would be around 2.5 billion. All those people need to feed, they need jobs, they need all the amenities of a modern lifestyle. For that to be achieved, you have to go back to the textbook of the nine initiatives from FOCAC. Hence, it is the duty and the responsibility of every African leader to ensure that we work for the implementation and the realization of those initiatives. And uh, it may not be technically correct to say President Xi's initiatives because these are jointly undertaken initiatives where, yes, China is providing the funding, but Africa is also putting its side of the bargain on the table. Your Excellency, as the Communist Party of China, CPC, prepares to convene its 20th National Congress in Beijing in the second half of 2022, what important lessons can be drawn from the CPC's governance and democratic practices? There is a lot which can be learned. You are talking of by establishment dealing with one of the oldest political parties which has just celebrated its centenary. So we are dealing with an old establishment but which fortunately is a rejuvenated old establishment which has traversed all the different phases of history. One would be insincere if you say the journey traveled by the Communist Party of China has been smooth sailing. They have met their own problems and their challenges, but the one slogan which I have learned, which we should learn from the Communist Party of China, is that it has accepted the responsibility of learning from its mistakes. Hence, they have the slogan that you must have the capacity to correct your own mistakes if you are to move forward with vigor and rejuvenation. The Communist Party of China has just done that. The Communist Party of China is a party founded on principle with a core mission and that core mission is fulfilling the expectation and the wish of the people. The Communist Party of China is focused. It stays true to its aspirations. So as it goes towards its Congress, it is important that what we should be looking at is encouraging those in office in the Communist Party of China not to forget the idea of global solidarity with those in the global south who are looking up to China for the example of common development. It is the party which we are emulating 
and for Zimbabwe who always remain grateful at the United Nations Security Council at a very crucial moment when the West wanted to place us on Chapter 7 sanctions which could lead to an invasion. China and Russia stood up, exercised their veto and they said no, Zimbabwe is just. So that partnership is a hybrid of strong support for one another's core interests and we say to the communist part of China as brothers let's continue to tour that path and ensure that the win-win concept of cooperation is actually enhanced further so that our two peoples will realize the benefits. Well, that brings us to the end of the program. Your Excellency, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, CGTN. Thank Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.